This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the July edition of One Month to a Better Compliance Program. This month, we're going to focus on One Month to Better Internal Controls. This month's sponsor is Workiva, and first, I'd like to have a word from our sponsor. Thanks, Tom. Workiva delivers a modern internal control solution that connects risk and internal control information across the enterprise. The WS Cloud Platform is collaborative, powerful, and intuitive, and optimizes documentation, testing, approval, and reporting processes. The platform is proven to increase productivity and drive better decision-making, and is used by more than 2,800 organizations worldwide for financial reporting and ICFR processes. To learn more, visit www.workiva.com. Over the next month, I'm going to explore several topics related to internal controls. We're going to take a look at what internal controls are and how they relate to a best practices compliance program. I'm going to help you understand how to design an internal controls regime for compliance and then some of the specific internal controls for the functional disciplines within a corporate compliance program. We're going to take a look at the COSO 2013 framework around internal controls and explain how that integrates into your best practices compliance program. I think it'll be a fascinating uh, month for you. We'll certainly uh, explore the area of internal controls in depth. This podcast, One Month to a Better Compliance Program, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day one, what are internal controls? Internal controls are not only the foundation of a company, but they are also the foundation of any effective anti-corruption compliance program. In the United States, the starting point is the FCPA, which requires that companies maintain an effective program of internal controls. Both the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission, in their jointly issued 2012 guidance, stated, Internal controls over financial reporting are the processes used by companies to provide reasonable assurances regarding the reliability of financial reporting and the prevention and the preparation of financial statements. These include various components, such as a control environment that covers the tone set by the organization regarding integrity and ethics, risk assessment, control activities that cover policies and procedures designed to ensure that management directives are carried out, information and communication, and monitoring. Moreover, the design of a company's internal controls must take into account the operational realities and risks attendant to a company's business, such as the nature of its products and services, how the products or services get to market, the nature of its force, workforce, the <clears throat> degree of regulation, the extent of government interaction, and the degree to which the operations in countries are in countries with a high risk of corruption. One of my favorite definitions comes from Aaron Murphy, an assistant solicitor general in the office of the attorney general for the state of Utah and the author of Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, a practical resource for managers and executives, who said, Internal controls are policies, procedures, and monitoring and training that are designed to ensure that company assets are used properly with the proper approval and that the transactions have been properly recorded in the books and records. While it is theoretically possible to have good controls but bad books and records and vice versa, the two go hand in hand. Where there are record-keeping violations and a internal controls failure is almost presumed because the records would have been accurate had the controls been accurate. Internal controls expert Joe Howe, the executive vice president at Workiva, has said that internal controls are systemic measures such as reviews, checks, balances, methods, and procedures instituted by an organization that performs several different functions. These functions include 
allowing a company to conduct its business in an orderly and efficient manner, to safeguard its assets and resources, and to detect and deter errors, fraud, and theft, to assist a company in ensuring the accuracy and completeness of its accounting data, and <clears throat> to enable businesses to produce reliable and timely financial and management information, also to help an entity ensure that there is adherence to policies and plans by its employees, applicable third parties, and others. Internal controls are entity-wide, not limited to simply work by accountants and auditors. For compliance purposes, controls are those measures specific, specifically to provide reasonable assurances that any assets and resources of a company cannot be used to pay a bribe. This definition includes diversion of company assets, such as unauthorized sales discounts or receivable write-offs, as well as distribution of assets. The FCPA guidance goes further to specify that internal controls are a critical component of a best practices compliance program. This is because the design of an entity's internal controls must take into account the operational realities and risks attendant to the company's business, such as the nature of products, how the products or services get to market, the nature of its workforce, the degree of regulation, the extent of government interaction, and the degree to which the operations are in a high-risk country. The <clears throat> Committee of Sponsoring Organizations of the Treadway Commission, or COSO, as I'll use throughout this podcast series this month, in its 2013 Internal Controls Framework, defined internal controls <clears throat> as, Internal control is a process affected by an entity's board of directors, management, and other personnel designed to provide reasonable assurance regarding the objective the achievement of objectives relating to operations, reporting, and compliance. This definition reflects certain fundamental concepts. An internal control is geared to the achievement of objectives. It is a process consisting of ongoing tasks and activities. It's able to provide reasonable assurances, and it's adaptable to the entire structure. The integrated framework goes on to note, this definition is intentionally broad. It captures important concepts that are fundamental to how organizations design, implement, and conduct internal controls providing a basis for application across the organization that operate in different entity structures, industries, and geographic regions. Why are internal controls important in your compliance program? Two FCPA enforcement actions demonstrate this reason. First was the Weatherford FCPA enforcement action, where the Department of Justice obtained a criminal plea from Weatherford there were three areas where Weatherford failed to institute appropriate internal controls. The first was around third parties and business transactions, limits of authorities and document requirements. Second, on effectively evaluating business transactions, including acquisitions and joint ventures for corruption risks and to investigate those risks when detected. And finally, around excessive gifts, travel, and entertainment, where such expenses were not adequately vetted to ensure that they were reasonable, bona fide, and properly documented. The second case involved the gun manufacturer, Smith & Wesson. Interestingly, the Smith & Wesson case did not include a criminal charge filed by the Department of Justice, but it was a civil matter prosecuted by the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission administratively. In its administrative order, the SEC stated, Smith & Wesson failed to devise and maintain sufficient internal controls with respect to its international operations. 
While the company had a basic corporate policy prohibiting the payment of bribes, it failed to implement a reasonable system of controls to effectuate that policy. Moreover, the company did not devise and maintain a system of internal accounting controls sufficient to provide reasonable assurances that transactions are executed in accordance with management's general or specific authorizations, transactions are recorded as necessary to maintain accountability for assets, and that access to assets is permitted only in accordance with management's general or specific authorization. The whole concept of internal controls is that companies need to focus on where the risks where their risks are. Whether they be compliance risks or others, they need to allocate their limited resources to putting controls in place that address those risks. And in the compliance world, of course, your two biggest risks are the assets or resources of a company. Not just cash, but inventory, fixed assets, can be used to pay a bribe. Then the second big element would be the diversion of company assets, such as unauthorized sales discounts or receivables, write-offs, which can be used to pay a bribe. As an exercise, I would suggest that you map your internal controls to the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program or some other well-known anti-corruption regime to see if internal controls may, uh, gaps may exist. This will help you to determine whether or not adequate compliance controls are present. From there, you can move to see if they're actually working in practice or functioning. Internal controls will only become more important in FCPA enforcement and compliance. This month, you will learn to get out ahead of the curve on internal controls and stay ahead of the curve. As an added benefit, if you have listened to the end of this podcast, I have mapped out the entire COSO framework to the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program. And if you will send me an email uh, asking for that, um, spreadsheet, I'll be happy to send it to you because I'll know you listen to this entire podcast. So what are the uh, three key takeaways for today? Well, number one, effective internal controls are required by the FCPA. They're actually written into the law itself. So to comply with the FCPA uh, on a civil and criminal basis, you have to have effective internal controls. Number two, Internal controls are critical parts of any best practices compliance program, and I would go further that they're really the backbone. Number three, both the Weatherford and Smith and Wesson FCPA enforcement actions demonstrate that both the Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission have an enforcement spotlight on internal controls. This is Tom Fox. I hope you have enjoyed day one of one month to better internal controls, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for day two. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Internal Controls. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it would help in our rankings. Get the word out about the only one-month podcast series which enables you to design, implement, and enhance a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.